Good morning. I'm glad you guys are here. Um, we're going to go Old Testament today. Watch out. Watch out. You just never know what's going to come out of the Old Testament. It's always, you know, a gamble every day that you open it up. It's like, whoo, do I? It's not Leviticus. It's not, Le- it's not Leviticus for sure. Um, here's, here's kind of my, here, here's, here's what I want you to take away at the end of this. Victory is a process. <laughs> the danger of not understanding what we're going to go through today, what we're going to talk about and, and what God is going to teach us through this guy named Joshua is that if we're not careful, we'll assume because de facto we are Christians that victory is a given. That the moment you say yes to Jesus, that everything just kind of kind of falls down into place. And if you've been following Jesus, if you've picked up your cross, you realize that things don't always go as you plan them to go. And so what I want to talk about today is, is that process. And let me, let me give you some disclaimers. What this is not today, what I am not talking about is salvation. So victory is not equated to salvation. Salvation, salvation is something that we get through Christ alone, through faith alone. We're not fighting for our salvation. We're fighting for the victory that God has told us that we get to have in our salvation. So uh, you may know this, but everything that you do has a start and a finish. Everything, even life, birth and a death. I mean, jobs have a beginning and an end. Everything has a start and finish. And when we get excited at the start, the danger with all of that is having that momentum to carry us to the end. Because the truth and reality is it doesn't really matter how you start most things. It only really matters how you finish them. In our culture, most of the time we're celebrating starts and we're not celebrating finishes. We're like, oh, look at this upstart and, and, and celebrating. Look, at, look what's going on instead of like, look at this faithful follower of Jesus that has spent his or her whole life giving themselves to the mission, faithfully. Or, you know, and we celebrate and everybody comes out to the party of a wedding and, and you cheer and you dance and you have a great time because we're celebrating the start of something. We want to celebrate good finishes. And to celebrate good finishes, you have to have this mentality that we're going to talk about today. Because if you've been married more than a day you realize that it isn't just going to happen. You don't just wake up and be like, woohoo! Like, yes! You're like, it's a choice. It's a choice and it's work and it's just like everything else. We have to work. The tension that we have between the start and the finish is that we have a picture of what we want to be as a spouse, as a parent, as an employee, as a human being. We have this picture of what we desire to see in and of ourselves. And the problem of that picture is that picture, it's just like the before and after shots. You're, you know, okay, I'm not going to get you to raise your hands, but like how many people have fallen into, don't raise your hand, the six-minute abs? 
you know, to really believing. You just put three minutes in every day and you will look like this. Do you realize that not all of those, but some of those pictures before and after are really a healthy person that fit. They take the before pictures, like what you see them finished at, and then they gain weight and take, they flop them. Not all the time, but a lot of those are getting you to think, if you just do the minimum requirement, you'll get the things that you want. And that's rarely the case in life. I mean, just let's all agree with that. And so today we're going to look at someone who started well at somewhere between. And let me let me get this because we've got... People in this age range. He started well somewhere in the age. Now he had already been going. But he just started again in what we're going to talk about. Somewhere in the ages from 68 to 78 years old. Joshua. And if you don't know the story. Joshua was one of Moses' faithful. He was the one that was there from the beginning. Like faithfully doing what he should have been doing. He was one of the spies that went out. Him and Caleb. And they went into the place. Into the land. And they saw how good it was. They saw the giants. But they didn't care. Because they had a faith and a belief. That God called them to this victory. And that God would take them there. So they were the only two out of those. Could you imagine doing the right thing? Because this is what they did. They came back and they gave a testimony. It was like, let's go do it. And the other ten came back scared. And they, 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 they spread their fear. So much so that the Lord gave them 40 years. To get rid of all of the ones who didn't believe. And the two old guys that entered into the promised land. Joshua was one of them. Could you imagine patiently waiting year after year? Because you know when God says 40 years, there's going to be 40 years. Waiting for the day to come. And the day comes and the mantle is passed over. And Joshua, not a young man anymore, 68 to 78 years old, is leading the people of God into the promised land for the first time from this 40-some year journey across a desert into the place that God promised. And so you pick up this picture of Joshua getting told what God's going to do as he's patiently waited. You ever done the right thing and you feel like you, you shouldn't be punished because of whatever's going on, but because of whatever environment you're in, you just wait. Joseph, Joshua, patiently waited for 40 years for this moment. And, and this is what God Spoke over him. And there, we're, I'm going to go through the first section of Joshua 1. And we're going to skip a little bit um, in to read one verse in, well, part of one verse in um, chapter 12. And then we're going to land on some others in there. Just because I want you to get the reality that victory is a process. Let's pray. Dearly Father, it is your word, not mine. Lord, you're the one that wants to move us into victory. You're the one that wants to lead us so that we can lead others. 
And Lord, there are things in our way that you are calling us to battle. There are things in our way that you're calling us to conquer. There are things in our way that you are calling us to defeat. And Lord, I pray that you would fill us with hope. That you are the promise keeper. Lord, thank you for being the one that brings victory. Thank you for being the one who speaks it to us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So Joshua's at his beginning. In, in verse 1, it says, After the death of Moses. Could you imagine, just let's just hop back to Moses for a second. Faithfully doing all the things that God had told him to do. He gets to go to the mountain and look down on the promised land, but never enter in. You know who was there at the Mount of Transfiguration? Not to jump forward, but just in case you get a little, like, mm, Moses, failure. You know who was there meeting with Jesus up on the mountain? When the other disciples are like, they're glowing, this is a good place. Peter wants to set up altars on the mountain. Moses. That was just for free. So, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of God, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all his people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel, every place that the sole of your feet will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised Moses. Listen to this. This is key. Before the battle, God let Joshua know what the victory will be. This isn't talking about it after it's done. This is God proclaiming to his man what is going to happen, which is key. You have to understand what God is promising before you can go conquer it. What I don't want you to leave today is like, he said we got to go conquer. You're going to go pick out somebody, which is the danger. Because all of what I'm talking about today is something inside of you that God wants to conquer. Not a person. Like, some of you are going to be like, mm, I'm about to take my boss down. <laughs> I got the strategy, the Lord spoke to me, he's going down. But we have to understand that it is always, always God's battle. Proverbs twenty-one thirty-one. it says, The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. Here's another one, Romans eight thirty-seven. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. The victory that God is calling us to do, it will be his victory. The next danger in what's being talked about today is that you will like get rigid and you'll get like, I'm going to do this. When God's just saying, hey, I want us to do this together. I want us to conquer this. So in verse four, it says from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river to the Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites <clears throat> to the great sea, towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just 
As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Here's another little note for you. Just because God said it would be doesn't take away the fact that they still had to fight the battle. See, sometimes we read his promises and we, we claim them as ours, which we should, but then don't think that we are called to work the battle. Like, God, free me from whatever. Whatever's ailing you right now, whatever your conflict it is, and, and you're like, God, free me from this without ever going, God, what have you called me to do to be free from this? Verse 7, only be strong and courageous. Here, here, here's the next two sections where he's telling you to get it from. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from the right or the left that you may have good success wherever you go. You have to know what God has told you. See, the danger without knowing him through his word is that we will settle on what we are to conquer. We will settle on what is ours without truly understanding what he's asking us to do. The danger is, is that anyone can say they've heard from the Lord. But if their hearing from the Lord doesn't match what he's recorded in here, I would say you didn't hear from the Lord. So we have to understand what he's saying is you cannot go right or left. You have to follow what I have spoken to Moses. He gives more in verse 8. It says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate, it, meditate on it day and night, so that you will be careful to do according, what is, <clears throat> according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Our victory is always and only going to come through the Lord and where he's calling us to go. See, the next danger is, is that if we decide, yes, we want to battle it, but we choose the wrong war. We choose the wrong battle. Like if, if Joshua listened to all this and he's hearing the parameters where God's saying, you're going to go here and you're going to conquer. And then Joshua turns around and he goes the wrong direction and conquers or tries to conquer the wrong people. What has he done? So you have to understand what has God called you to conquer? Verse 9, it says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You are not alone in this. And God communicated this. Their, their first victory was over Jericho. 
God wanted from the beginning for them to understand that it will not be their victory. It won't be their manpower. It won't be their army. It won't be their armament. It won't be their siege. It will be his victory. So he tells them to do the silliest thing in the world, which is march around a city, blow some horns and do this and do that and and do it seven days every day. Don't do anything but what I've commanded you. And at the end of that, the walls fell down and the victory was whose? The Lord's. It wasn't even their plan. And you know what happens in that victory? There was this guy named Anok. I think his name's Anok. I'm going to call him that if it's not. Anok sees something of value, really valuable. And he grabs it and he, it takes one of the devoted things which God told them not to do and he brings it and he buries it inside of his tent. And he hides it because he sees something. He doesn't believe the promises of God. He doesn't believe the things that God is going to give them. So he takes it himself. And then they go to the next town, which is Ai, which is a small town. They don't even send the whole army. They're like, just (laughs) take a couple thousand people, you know, we'll take them. They go up there and they get their butts handed to them. And Joshua is like, what in the world? Because God has promised something is wrong. Something happened. And what do they do? Tribe by tribe. Could you imagine? You ever? Okay. Don't raise your hand at this either. Uh, when you're little, you ever take something? I took something. My grandparents owned a gas station um, in Carthage, North Carolina, a little SO station. They had this hoop cheese, which was amazing. Uh, I didn't steal the tube cheese. <laughs> but, you know, we would tip it. We'd get to go in there and, and we would get like a sucker or something. And we would tell, you know, grandma to put it on my dad's account, you know, within reason, of course. And I went in one day and I, I skipped a step. Not intentionally. I don't think malicious. Like I was like, I'm not, <laughs> not like some of your kids with their mints out front. <laughs> They're like, I don't have anything, dad. <laughs> Um, and so I got into the car. My dad was like, did you, did you, did you tell grandma that you got that? And I was like, no. And so I had to go in there and tell her and apologize. And, but could you imagine taking something and no one knows you take something and the Lord is going to judge it? It's not like they're even going to shake you down. They're going to bring you tribe by tribe. And the God's going to go this tribe. Okay, let's go people by people in the tribe. And it comes to this guy. And the lot falls on him. God says this guy. And he says, what have you done? And he confesses. He's like, I, I took these things and I buried it here. And he was, go get it and bring it. And you know what they do to him? Read the story. They stone him to death. And they cover his body with this huge pile of stones. Because God cannot allow in us this part of us to stay that, that wants to still you know, not trust him because this is what's going on. God's promised them all of these. It's coming. They're walking into the promised land. They're going to have the land filled with milk and honey. This is their promise. And one of the people sees something and they go, God may not take care of me. I need I need to take care of myself. And they go fight the city again. And of course, there's victory and they have the strategy. And it's, it's pretty cool. They actually go up there and they run again like they're scared, but they have a plan this time. And there's another group of people that head into the city, take it, burn it, victory. What's crazy is that 
victor, I mean, the, the next 12 chapters are king after king. And some of them's not just one king. One of them, you know, some of them are like kings. They see what's going on. They see Jericho fall. They see this mass of people coming in. Maybe they've heard the, the rumors. I mean, Rahab, the prostitute who, you know, they, the spies went into the city she became a believer based on what she heard. I mean, people had heard about the people of God and that they had God on their side. And so some of the kings were like, hey, we need to go wipe them out. And they get several other kings to go in and try to destroy them. But over and over and over and over again, they're not successful. Because it was... God's victory, God was leading his people. They were trusting in him. I don't know if you've um, been reading along with us in the one-year Bible, but along with Joshua, which I think was last Sunday, or the beginning, Joshua 1, uh, you read Luke 18 this week. Uh, Luke 18 uh, was a story of a young rich ruler that had a battle himself. He came to the Lord. And he asks, what, what must I do to be saved? And God gives him four things that he knows that he's done. And the young man's like, done those since birth. But he knows that there's still something missing. He said, what else am I lacking? And God went to the one battle that he had not won. He said, go and sell all that you have. Give it to the poor and follow me. What happened? He went away sad. He, he went away. He had salvation in the bag. Meaning God himself was standing there and said, this is what I need you to do. I need you to trust me with this. And, and because of his great wealth, because of him desiring for him to take care of himself, he could not release himself from it. And he went away sad. And, and Jesus made this statement, which should plague every single person that's sitting in this room. He said how difficult it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And I know most of us in this room don't consider ourselves rich. Um, travel outside of this country. Travel to third world countries and see how wealthy we are. And the disciples kind of go into a tailspin. They're like, oh my gosh. Like, how can anyone be saved? And there, there's a, a statement in, in Luke 18, 27. Because he, Jesus, like, it's it's... It's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom. And they're like, oh my gosh, we've left all this. What about us? And Jesus made this statement in Luke 18, 27. And he says, but he said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. See, what was impossible is this tribe of people would go in and take this land over from this established king's. And see, even in this young man who couldn't let go, and, and Jesus making this statement, and then they're like, oh my gosh, who is going to get in? And he's saying, look guys, it will never be you. What is impossible for you to do, which is every victory that God is calling you to walk into from this day forward, will be impossible with, with and through you, but it will be possible for God. If you fast forward through all the battles, 
victory after victory. You come to Joshua 12, and he literally lists, and for embarrassment's sake, I'm not going to read all 31 of the kings. because You see how I struggle with Joshua. I mean, the struggle is real. But in Joshua 12:24, it says, in all 31 kings. So God laid down the promise. I mean, it was a strong promise. He said, this is what's going to happen. This is the victory that you're going to have. This is the land that you're going to take. And he told him over and over again, be strong and courageous. In, in our limited view of our own life, we look at promises in the New Testament, things that God has spoken for his children, and we go, yes. And there's excitement in the start. Because we want to see the fulfillment of the promise that God has given us. But we don't realize that there is potentially 31 battles. 31 kings that have to be conquered to get to the place that God had promised you years before. And the dilemma for most of us is is that we linger here too long. We linger in the promise without ever acting on it. He's, he's, saying, he's not saying strong, be strong and courageous and sit right there. He's not saying be strong and courageous and do nothing. He wouldn't ask you or tell you or encourage you with be strong and courageous if there wasn't a battle ahead of you. Because he's telling you those words not for this spot He's telling you those words when you're standing outside of Jericho. Whatever that is for you. And when he tells you this is how you do it, because let me just tell you, if you read the Bible, if you read the Gospels, a lot of what God's going to ask you to do is backwards from what you think. And you're like, there's no way. Turn the other cheek. I mean, the gospel that we preach and that we love and that we talk about is the upside-down gospel. We're a conquering society. Because we have to be strong, that we have to, we have to fight. And this is why I'm saying this isn't about people. This isn't about you going to work and conquering people. Or conquering people. I know, guys, you know, you drive and everywhere's like a race. My wife can attest to this. I don't know why. When you get behind a wheel, you're like, this guy cannot get there before me. Some lady passed me and another car on the way to school. And you know how much faster she got there than me? Like one minute. Because she got stopped in traffic of the school. But boy, on 87, that two-lane road, both of us. I mean, like, I, she didn't even hit a brake. Both of us. And, like, there's part of me that's like, oh, you're trying to beat me. I mean, I, I mean, I didn't do anything crazy. I just stayed. I just used my cruise control because I've learned that cruise control helps you. It's, it's cruise control saves you three hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> Don't use it and see what happens. Trust me. As soon as it happens, you'll get letters from all your new friends. <laughs> One in your three hundred and fifty dollars. <throat> but the problem is. That in our society, we want to conquer people and not ourselves. 
And to the gospel, the gospel is saying you have to conquer yourself before you can conquer anything else. Like if you don't, and I hate to, and I, one day I will probably preach off this whole thing, but, you know, I'm not a huge Michael Jackson fan, but like man in the mirror. I mean, seriously. Like some of us are here like, yes, my husband's got lots of things he needs to conquer. Or the husbands are like, my wife. Anyway, we, we, that's our natural is we want to see other people change instead of seeing us. What is God calling you to conquer? Because if you stay here in the starting place, you will never. Now, you may still. This is not. Remember, we're not talking about salvation. That that end point, that promised land is not salvation. You can stay here and still be loved by God. But you won't enjoy the things that he's called you to conquer here. Like, and I'm telling you, most of the tension that you're experiencing in your life right now is because you're here. When God's called you here and here, trusting him to carry you into every single king with victory. And I believe right now there are things in you that you just can't beat. There's things in me that I still, after 24 years, like this little thing will, I mean, just in the car, get me in the car. And it's like, man, he's got problems. Just let it go, brother. It's okay. But we're not called to just see those things and do nothing about them. We're called to be like Joshua. I'm telling you, like we live on a side that Joshua never experienced. We live on a side of the kingdom that we're in the reality of it. They were still in the promise of it. We have the Messiah that has came and done for us what we couldn't do. See, Joshua's still working out his salvation. He's still working out his faithfulness with not even that promise that we get right now. That we can right now be saved through faith by grace today. Enter the kingdom of heaven. But God's saying, hey, I I didn't call you to heaven. Because you're still here. God's called you to conquer these 31 kings so that, because you notice this promise wasn't even for Joshua. Over and over again, I don't know if you saw this, but over and over again, it was for the people of Israel. It wasn't even like, hey, Joshua, I'm going to do this for you. He was going to do it through Joshua, but he was doing it for the people. So these kings that God's called you to conquer, maybe it's anger, maybe it's lust, maybe it's fill in the blank. Maybe it's jealousy, maybe it's greed, maybe it's envy. These things that he's calling you to conquer is not so you can be like, whoo, I'm free of it. It's things that he's calling you to conquer so that the people that he's called you to will get to where God's called them to be. I mean, think about it. Think about if, if, you, if you work this mentality, if you really start fighting the right things the right way. I mean, imagine what marriages would look like if we stopped fighting each other and started fighting 
the battles that God's called us to be so that we can be the men and women that he's called us to be. Can you imagine what our marriages will look like? Can you imagine what our families would look like? If I didn't have to live through my children and I I wasn't expecting anything from them other than them to walk in the fulfillment that God has called them to. So I got a couple of questions for you before we worship again. Here's the first question and don't answer this out loud and don't elbow anybody. Are you winning? Like are, are you are you in the process and are, are you winning? Are you are you moving forward from king to king? And the king is just an illustration for the thing in that your life that God's called you to conquer. So if you're unaware of that, what about this one? Are you at least battling? Because we can just go. I'm telling you, there's periods of my life that I just. You get overwhelmed. You're like, oh, nothing ever works. It's not happening. And there's season where God spurs you back into action. Are you at least battling? And here's a clarification. Are you fighting the right battle? Because if in your mind you're thinking about people that you need to get straight, you're missing the point. Here's another one, and I, I really want this to be <clears throat> where we're going to go, or where I want you to kind of get in the mentality of. Do you know some of your 31 kings? Has God made you aware of what they are? And are you trusting God with them? Because here, here's the beauty. You may go, oh, if I can just get through this 31. Joshua got through his 31. And look what happened in chapter 13. Chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, it says, Now Joshua is old and advanced in years. And the Lord said to him, You are old and advanced in years. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Listen, 30, he's already been through 31 kings. There still remains yet very much land to possess. This is the land that yet remains. And he gives him more. He's like, look, you've done these 31 kings. Let me just tell you. Let me tell you. If you don't know this and you talk to somebody that's been a believer, faithfully serving the Lord, well advanced in their years, they'll tell you that this never ends. Our end to this battle is being in the presence of God. And I don't mean during worship. I mean physically in the presence of God. But as long as you live on this earth, God is calling you in, in into this battle. And this battle, I, I don't, and I'm not saying this to like diminish, because look, let me tell you, when you get it, could you imagine defeating Jericho? Like some of you have some Jerichos in your life. This big walled city that no one. This is one of the main reasons they waited for 40 years in the desert. Because they saw this established city and they're like, there's no way that we can take it. Could you imagine seeing your Jericho fall? Just by faithfully doing what God asked. I'm not, they didn't even throw a spear. They didn't shoot an arrow. They didn't, nothing. The walls fell 
down because they walked around the walls like God asked them to. Could you imagine when your Jericho falls, what that would mean to you? Some of you in this room have had your a Jericho or many Jerichos fall in your life. And it is it just it is a catalyst for more. It is a catalyst for trusting that if God can take care of that one, because usually after Jericho, the other kings, they don't seem as scary. I mean, not like we learn from Ai, we can do the dumb thing and, and still lose the battle. But once that Jericho falls, it is a catalyst to see and trust that God is taking you to victory. Here's another question for you. Do you know the promises of God? Do you know as a disciple, as a child of God, what he has called you to? What he has spoken over you? That he's called you righteous? That, he, that he's called you sons and daughter? I mean, there are in, in the Gospels, in the epistles, there are big things that he's just said, look. Do you know, in John 10, 10, after he talks about the enemy prowls around like a lion, he said, I've come to give you life and life abundantly. Promise. So if you're not experiencing that abundant life, then there's a Jericho or something that's keeping you from it. Joshua was told not to let the law depart from his mouth. His victory came not from departing. From what God had told him. Paul had this same thing going on in his life. 2 Timothy 4, 7. Towards the end of his ministry. He said these words. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Because that's what we're, faith is what we're dealing with. It's the trusting that if God can take me through Jericho, he can take me through every other king that will come my way. Look at this, Hebrews 12.1. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, every sin that which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set out before us. <clears throat> I've ran a few races and trail markers are great. Could you imagine if I said, hey, go run a marathon and just, you know, just go run. Didn't have a watch. You just ran. It'd be miserable, just for the record. Mark, run the race that is set before you. Don't put your head down so much so that you forget to look up and go, where, where are my markers telling me that I'm still on the same path? I'm going to invite our worship team to come back up. I don't know where you find yourself today. I don't know if you feel victorious right now, which we we celebrate with you. I don't know if you feel beat down and just belittled and abused, and it has just been the roughest season of your life. But I want to tell you that God has promised you victory as a son and daughter 
of the king. And so if that's you this morning, if you've become a son or daughter, then walk into the promises of God. But walking into the promises of God means that you will have to fight your battles. This is not, I mean, I, I think a lot of what's hindered the, the, the Christian world is that it's, it's been like this easy grace, you know, say yes to Jesus. I mean, look at Jesus himself. He said, who else goes to war without accessing the other army and figuring out that they have 20,000 soldiers, I've got 10, and maybe deciding before that that I might not want to go to war with that kingdom that's bigger than me or the man who sets himself out to build the tower and, and, and gets halfway done. Look, this is a lifetime journey. This is a process. And I want you today to engage in the process. So if that means today you go, I've, I've not trusted in Jesus. I have I'm not his child by my own choice. But I, I want that. I don't want the things that he's going to give me. I want him. Then you can have a conversation right now during worship with your creator and say, God, I want to be yours. I know that I cannot on my own do what you've called me to do. And I trust that your son who you sent here lived the life that I could not live, died the death that I was required to die to pay the penalty for my sins. And I want you. And you can live in victory as a son or daughter. Those promises become yours. And if you are a son and daughter and you're stuck here at the beginning, don't stay there. The creator of the world is calling his people to work. Not to earn your salvation, but to work to build his kingdom because there are other sons and daughters that are out in this world that aren't a part of the family yet. They're, they're future sons and daughters that he needs us to fight our battles so that we can be ready and be the men and women that they need. Let's pray. Dearly Father, it is by your grace and your mercy that we ever have victory. But Lord, we acknowledge right now <laughs> that victory is a process and it is always going to be your victory. And Lord, we need to hear from you what our 31 kings are, where you're leading us tomorrow. What's our Jericho? Lord, where have we like Achan taken these devoted things that you've called us not to and, you've, and we've taken them ourselves? Lord, where do we need to confess and repent in our life? Lord, I pray that you would this morning bring clarity in this house. Lord, I pray that you would bring hope for tomorrow. Lord, I pray that you would just begin to whisper in the ears of your sons and daughters, be courageous. That every place that I've called you to step will be yours. Let us be children who hear your voice in your word. And that we act 
upon what you speak to us. So, Lord, as we worship, I pray that you would be honored. As we walk out of this building today, Lord, I pray that we would leave battle ready. And, Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes and our ears and our hearts so that we can see you around us. We pray for grace as we move forward. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.